15-Minute Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Paul Stoltz, former professional kicker who spent way too much time in the offensive film room. And I'm Anthony LaFreary, an award-winning sports reporter who does an average of 86 mock drafts prior to his draft that actually matters. Last episode, we finished up talking about our tight end projections and rankings. This week, we're going to talk pure draft strategy with you guys. But before we get started, please, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button on YouTube or check us out on Instagram at FCK Podcast, on Twitter at FCK Podcast, or go to our website, www.fckpodcast.com. When you do that, we highly recommend you download the pre-draft cheat sheet. We've had about a couple dozen downloads already. People are using them. They're finding it really, really easy for them because it gives them a big board as they're drafting. Highly recommend you go ahead and do that. As Paul said, this episode is all about draft strategy. We're going to give you all the strategy you need to win your draft, win your league, and have the bragging rights over your friends Maybe a little bit of cash, but is there anything better than having bragging rights over your friends, Paul? There's nothing better than beating you year in and year out in our league, Anthony. Well, that's because the other 10 guys in the league don't conspire to beat you every year like they do me. <laughs> All right, let's get this rolling. Let's kind of pull back on my sports journalism background a little bit. I've come up with a few topics Curious to hear your opinion, and then I'll hit you with mine, but let's hit the first one. Early strategy. Most people go heavy on the running backs early or build around receivers early. Paul, what do you like to do? Anthony, I think there's three mainstream strategies that people use early draft, and early draft meaning rounds one through three. The first one is called RB heavy. That's when, no matter what, you take running backs in the first three rounds, right? The second is called zero RB. It's a philosophy that came into popularity a few years ago before Mahomes and and these other guys were chucking it up almost, you know, 80% of plays where wide receiver talent at the top of the draft was a little bit more limited. And so people would go no RBs in the first few rounds and, you know, maybe they'd fill in a tight end or a quarterback, but most importantly, you get a, a, a wide receiver stack like Michael Thomas and Julio in rounds one and two. The third draft strategy is called best available. And this is predominantly what I find most people use. It's an ode to what most NFL general managers use, which is just to say, I have my big board. I don't care if I have three running backs or Uh, I just took two wide receivers. I'm taking the best player on my board. This year, Anthony, I think it is really important to look into an RB-heavy strategy. And the reason is, this year, the running back talent thins incredibly fast. So what I found, and I highly recommend, do at least one or two mock drafts before you go for your league draft. And the reason is I think what you'll see is in round six and seven, if you don't already have your second running back or even your third running back, you're forced into looking at guys like James White and Jordan Howard and Jonathan Taylor, who we don't know if he's going to take the job from 
Marlon Mack and Cam Akers, who may be in a timeshare with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. So, but what's still on the board at that point are receivers like Diggs sometimes, Edelman, A.J. Green, Devontae Parker, Cooks, Terry McLaurin. I would feel very comfortable having any of those guys as my second wide receiver. I wouldn't feel very comfortable having any of the guys I mentioned as running backs, the Jordan Howards and James Whites, as my number two running back. Yeah, Paul, I like what you're saying. Normally, when I do my draft, it's kind of a hybrid of best player available, but with a preference towards running back. Like if it's a tiebreaker or it's close, I'm going to go with the running back because even this year, as you said, there's a lot of scarcity every, you know, this year, but there's a lot of scarcity every year. I mean, if you look at it logically, there's really 32 starting running back positions in the game. And there's quite a few teams where they roll by committee. Off the top of my head, there's probably only 12 to 15 true bell cow backs in the game right now that are getting all the touches. And you've got to, you've got to get at least one of those bell cow backs if you're going to have any shot to win this year. One other point I want to make. Throughout this whole episode, we're talking mainly about standard PPR leagues, but know your leagues, guys. If your league isn't PPR, it's not even a question. If your league has two quarterbacks where, you know, you can play either two in the quarterback position or one and an offensive player, otherwise known as an OP, then you may want to take a quarterback, you know, in one of those early rounds. Maybe not the first round, but the second or the third. But this year, you've got to get one of those bell cow backs no matter what. Yeah, I think that's well said, Anthony. I mean, I don't think the zero RB strategy is the right strategy for this year. I'm okay with best available. But again, with RB heavy strategy, you can get a Melvin Gordon, a Leonard Fournette, a Todd Gurley as your third running back, and you've shirt up that position. In the fourth round, guys like Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, Odell Beckham, a lot of times are still available. Those are really decent number one wide receivers. So I'm, I'm in favor of the RB, the RB heavy strategy this year. Anthony, what is your strategy? And we, we've touched on this a little bit in previous episodes, but what is your strategy around drafting quarterbacks this year? I usually like to wait a bit on quarterbacks. I normally won't draft a quarterback before round five in a standard league like like I said a couple seconds ago if I'm in a league with two quarterbacks I'll prioritize quarterbacks a bit more but I I usually like to wait if I can get them around seven or eight I'm, I'm feeling really good about myself then I'll double back and get another one towards the end of the draft I made the case earlier that if Lamar Jackson falls to me in round three, there's value. If Mahomes falls to me in round four, there's value there. Because, again, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an equation, right? Lamar Jackson last year got you six points per game more than the number two quarterback, let alone if you're playing somebody who has, who's starting the number 10 quarterback. You're getting 10 to 12-plus points per game on them. So let the situation dictate. However, look, I am a big fan of stacking running backs, stacking receivers, maybe nabbing a tight end at some point. 
and getting your quarterbacks late. I just did a mock draft right before this. And in round nine, I got Carson Wentz. In round 12, I got Matt Stafford. Matt Ryan was available around earlier. So if you're drafting a quarterback in round five, that's not going to go four to five points more per game than the 10th or 11th best quarterback. You're missing out on a quality running back or quality receiver. So wait on quarterbacks. Yeah, it's, it's not worth it to, to get it early, especially, like I said, if you're in a one QB league, not only can you wait, there's always going to be a, if not a starting caliber quarterback on the wire, pretty darn close to it on the waiver wire. So you don't even necessarily need to draft two quarterbacks in your draft. Yeah, yeah look, the difference between quarterback 16 and the difference between quarterback six last year was like two points per game. Exactly. So if you're not going to get one of the top flight guys, just wait. Just exactly. wait. Exactly. That was a great point, Paul. Next thing I'd like to talk about is tight ends, and I'm really going to give the floor to you on this as far as when you want to pull the trigger on drafting a tight end. In our tight end episode, I said to really wait, wait, wait. I'm going to stick to my guns on that. What are your thoughts, though? What's your strategy, Paul? So I have a different strategy every year on drafting tight ends. Last year, I fell in love with Darren Waller in preseason, and I drafted him in round 13 of every single one of my drafts as a sleeper. That panned out really well. This year, to me, there are 12 quality tight ends. And what I've done is I've ranked them. Again, check out our draft cheat sheet on on the computer, and you can see who those 12 tight ends are. But what I do is I monitor each of them based on their ADP. And when I see one of them go around or two lower in my draft than they're supposed to go, that's when I look to pounce. For example, if Kittle and Kelsey don't go in round two when they usually go, I'm starting to look at them in round three. I'm definitely going for them in round four. If Kittle, Kelsey, Ertz, Andrews, uh, Engram, Waller, if those guys all go as they're supposed to, I'm totally okay with that because TJ Hawkinson and Hayden Hurst are available in rounds 9, 10, 11. And so I'm okay waiting, but I'm monitoring that value throughout. That, that kind of leads me to the next topic is do you go need or you go best player available throughout your draft? Yeah, you got to find the right balance. Look, I think it's best available. It's more of a best available strategy towards the beginning, although I will this year go for the running back first, even if it's a third running back over a first wide receiver. But as the draft goes along, I go best available. And I'm going to take this one step further, Anthony. I don't understand handcuffs. I don't, I think it's a myth that a myth that was propagated by Matthew Berry, because it doesn't make sense to me when I see in round seven and eight, Alexander Madison is going Latavius Murray is going and you've still got guys that have a chance to be, to be fantasy, not, not have a chance to be, Guys that are slotted right now as fantasy starters like Cam Akers or Antonio Gibson or Ronald Jones. 
why not take the guys who we know are going to get touches instead of wasting a roster spot in the eighth round because you think you have a need for a handcuff? Take a shot at one of these guys that really could pan out, right? I remember, quick anecdote, I remember uh, everybody slept on Michael Turner his first year on Atlanta. He was one of the last uh, running backs off the board, and he was the, the number three running back that year. There's nothing that says, I don't love Ronald Jones, but there's nothing that says him or Cam Akers can't be top 15 running backs this year. And I'd rather not waste a pick on Alexander Madison, who may get 14 touches all season. Well, I got to tell you, buddy, you just blew my mind because I've always been a proponent of handcuffs. Like, let's, let's say you, you luck out, you get that number one pick, you draft Christian McCaffrey, and, you know, knock on wood, I don't want to see Christian McCaffrey get hurt. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. But if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt or suspended and goes down for the year, I don't know who his backup is. But one thing I do know is he's not going to be Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. I don't know who Saquon Barkley's backup is. He's not going to be Saquon Barkley. Like, maybe they're going to follow through on that rumor of Devontae Freeman and, like, you know, that would he would put up numbers in that offense, but he's not gonna put up Saquon numbers. So 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 exactly, Anthony. And and look, it's one thing if you draft a running back really high and his offensive line is off the charts, right? Mm-hmm. Carolina Panthers offensive line is 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 good, but Christian McCaffrey is what makes that happen. I'm not taking Reggie Bonifun in the ninth round. No. No, you want to know what really sold it the most, Paul? That it was propagated by Matthew Barry. Like, honestly? <laughs> that's, that's another, for everybody that doesn't know, that's another LaFrey classic arch nemesis like Aaron Rodgers, Goodell, or Bill O'Brien. Well, you know what, Paul? I don't, I don't hate Matthew Barry at all. I actually find him rather entertaining. He's just not smart, and he's not good at, like, predicting things. He's not that terribly good at what he does. And and speaking of mock drafts, the thing I really find horrifying is now I have to listen to voice clips of Matthew Barry saying, oh, he he took your guy. Should have taken him around earlier. I I don't need to hear that. It just takes me out of what I'm doing. I I don't understand it. He's entertaining, but you want to know what? He was a writer on the later seasons of Married with Children and he wrote Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, or the, the third one, the third really bad Crocodile Dundee movie. Like, Impressive that stuff. Claim to frame. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start getting fantasy. If I can get fantasy football advice from a screenwriter, I might as well be going to my dentist and asking him the same thing. He's a big Giants fan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I think we're kind of towards the, the end of this here. Do you have any miscellaneous advice you'd like to give our listeners? Yeah, the, the last thing I'll say is let the draft come to you. Try out the RB heavy strategy. Do a couple mock drafts beforehand. But let the draft come to you. There are players that uh, in every draft will go 12 to 15 picks behind their ADP, and you can really capitalize on players like that because you're getting them at good value. It's just like trading stocks in a lot of ways, right? I 
wouldn't necessarily buy Tesla right now at $1,400 a share, right? But if I see it goes down a little bit to $1,100 a share, that's good value. I'll buy in. I'm not interested in take as high as you and I have been on Brandon Cooks. I'm not going to take him in the third round. I'm not going to overstretch for him, but I'm taking him in the seventh, eighth round because he's going to fall to me there. Look for guys like Stefan Diggs, who should go in the third or fourth round to fall to you in the fifth or sixth. That is how you win your draft and set yourself up for fantasy success. Yeah, Paul, 100%. I, I feel the same way. My big advice to people is two things. Be flexible, be unemotional. The absolute worst thing you can do when you go into a draft is draw a line in the sand and say, I have to have this player no matter what. Because one of two things are going to happen. One, you're going to overpay for him by a round or two, and you're losing value on that. Or two, you're not going to get that player, and you're going to get mad, you're going to freak out, you're going to overreact, you're going to panic, and it's going to throw you off your game for a few rounds, and you're going to be worse for wear because of it too. The best thing you can do, get a feel for what's happening, take a breath as the draft is going on, try and anticipate your opponent's moves as best you can, and make a move before they do it. And if they beat you to the punch, it's okay. You pivot. I did a mock draft yesterday. And through our whole series of podcasts, I've kind of pounded the, the desk and said, you know, Lamar Jackson – I'm not drafting him. I'm not taking a quarterback in the second round. Tight ends, wait, wait, wait. I'll wait till like the third to last round. Well, let me tell you what happened, Paul. I was put myself in the nine slot, which is where in our main league where I'm supposed to be drafting. Third round towards the end, ninth pick. Who's there? George Kittle. Oh, did you? <laughs> I was like... I've never done this before, but, you know, Kittle's got second-round value. I'm going to draft Kittle. I draft Kittle. Now, six picks later, I'm now pick four in the fourth round. Who's there? A guy who was there in the third round, obviously, and I was like, ah, this guy's never going to make it back. But he made it back. Lamar Jackson. In the fourth round? In the fourth round. The middle of the fourth round. In a 12-team PPR league, Jackson is there mid-fourth. I'm like, well, I got to do it. So I pulled the trigger on Lamar Jackson because I'm flexible. And to your point, Paul, it's funny you say it because I got Stephon Diggs in the seventh or eighth round. It's crazy. The he's, value in Stephon Diggs. He's my number two receiver. Yep. So that's, that's what you got to do. Pivot. Pivot, pivot, stay cool, don't panic, trust yourself, trust your gut, and everything's going to be okay. Most importantly of all, trust our draft boards. <laughs> nice plug at the end of that, Anthony. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Please follow us at FCK Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, www.fckpodcast.com. Take a shot with one of our draft strategy cheat sheets. And we wish you best of luck in our draft. Thanks so much for listening, everyone.